It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long. And you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy with your hosts, Caleb and Isaac. Listen in as I discuss the 2023 film, The Creator. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, those in between and unaffiliated, to another speakeasy. This time, tonight, as much as I I still have other films to talk about with um, <laughs> but from previously, that'll wait, though, because of a recent release, even though this isn't going to go up until next year, and this film will be of long forgotten because it was a failure. Uh, but today we're going to talk about The Creator. Yeah, and I, I think I have changed my mind. I think I might try to put it out a little bit sooner hopefully to advise people to go to the theater because they're still playing quite a bit of showings around uh, at least in our area and i will say i did actually return for a second viewing today i realized that i had some some free time and really we were going to cover this uh, about two days ago and so i saw my opportunity so i was like i'll go in for a second viewing why not so i've got some some fresh thoughts (laughs) well goody that's that's definitely helpful hopefully the the second time round has uh at least cemented some thoughts that you had uh, had for the first few viewing excuse me yeah we'll definitely get into it but before we do yeah isaac you've uh, you've got some you got the trademark the the geek Pollution trademark that they've lent out to us <laughs> unofficially lent to us i would yeah no uh captain logan can <laughs> certainly sue us for yeah. uh, copyright infringement and using his format that he has uh, <laughs> i don't know i just i like that format a lot yeah, send us a cease and desist cap if you if you want. Yeah, totally. If you when when that that you totally are listening to, I uh, it's not the case. <laughs> no. Um. So yeah, the the whole thing is we're gonna have we have a sign metaphorically, of course. That you know okay. I'm feeling it. I'm not or not feeling it. Of course, we'll do uh, our best thing, our worst thing, and we'll uh, do our signs as well. The, the other signs, excuse me, the board, excuse me. Yeah. We're like this movie f- made me feel like X or you know whatever we put in there. Yeah. So let's start with with you. Where are you at with the, I guess your board comes first, I think. Yes, I believe the board does come first. Um, This movie made me feel like Gareth Edwards got the chance to kill his own characters on his own terms. Interesting. Okay, keep keep going, keep going. Of course, yeah, of course. Um, So my best thing, uh, or I guess do you want me to elaborate from there? Uh, yeah, well, well, actually, actually, maybe let's go into best thing, worst thing. You can elaborate more. Yeah, okay, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Um, so best thing... I kind of said that we, we, we sort of spoiled ourselves the other night and I, I didn't save my full th- best thing, but uh, best thing, $80 million, hmm. reportedly. Now, my worst thing, okay, this is this is within the movie. So 
did Ken Watanabe, Watanabe's replica, I'm just calling them that because I forget the name of uh, the androids in between uh, robot, full-on robots and humans. Uh, simulants. Thank you. Did, did his simulant die after he got shot in the back or through the back, excuse me? Or because when we later see him in the end, uh-huh. um, is that just another simulant or is it a, is it the same guy? Uh, I couldn't tell. I, cause he, he walks away after he's shot in the back. He gets up and like stumbles out of the room, but I assumed he was just about to go out there and, and keel over and die. Yeah. But then we see him and I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I guess he lived not, not fail fatal at all for that simulant. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. I, I just had to call him replicants cause it was like, eh, it's kind of replicants kind of not, but sure. um, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. They're a little bit more machine than what the replicants are. Yeah alternatively i don't know if that one was strong enough because i was really trying it it's kind of hard for me to think about the worst things but you'll probably bring it out with me as usual because i'm like sure <laughs> i don't know if i mean i could see maybe some worse things but it didn't bother me too much um here's one that so during the scene when those tanks if you remember it's it's towards like you know the end of the film when the tanks show up in that village mm-hmm. were, were they necessary that's my question. Were they necessary if the U.S. government already had Nomad with them? Or the military, excuse me. They already had Nomad. Like, what made the Americans use tanks in place of Nomad? That, that is that is my question. Yeah, and I'm curious up front, before I answer that, how much do you think we should... How much do you think spoilers matters for this? Because, I mean, once we get to the, the third act, I feel like that's when we can, you know, cap the spoilers there. But I think the trailer... Tells you so much about the plot that, because uh, to answer your question, I, I guess I'll just say it. Hopefully, it's not too much spoilers. But yep, I mean, if they just blasted and killed everyone there, they might have destroyed that weapon. But I think that they were wanting to get some study, studying of it, and see what it is. I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So not totally going full bore and just lighting the whole area up with Nomad. Yeah, I think they were willing to destroy it outright if they couldn't get control of it, but they were hoping to get a look at it before extract it first smart okay i'll yeah. give them that that's yeah all right i can uh, accept that and i <laughs> i do have a third maybe not criticism but i'll i'll, I'll save it for later i'll I, I will save it for later um but i guess if i had to flip my sign i'm gonna go with feeling it hmm. i guess for my board i did not prepare this ahead of time but i think i'll say that's not my fault <laughs> this movie made me feel like they're should be more room for mid-budget big sci-fi movies than maybe there is because i feel like these movies i i feel like there's still a lot of value for for stuff like this playing in the theater i've seen a lot of mid-budget or even maybe lower budget now sci-fi stuff just being shirked off to uh streaming and i think that's a shame a, a movie like this i feel like its impact would be so much lesser if this was just put out as like an apple tv original or a netflix original and already it didn't really apparently have much pull in the theater. It did not make much money. It seems like it's, you know, covered its production budget, but with advertising, yeah, it's probably still in the red. And and I think that's just too bad. I, I, I'll flip my sign too and give it a feeling it as well. Um, if this is part of our little mini Gareth Edwards uh, retrospective, which if I do put this out earlier, hasn't fully been out yet, but just so everyone knows, we are planning to cover monsters and godzilla 2014 quite soon to round out that little series um yeah i think it's too bad for that guy you know he had issues with the studios getting kind of screwed over with his vision 
making his two prior films. He gets a film that seems to be much more just him, you know, not working in a prior franchise, and he's kind of, they're, they're actually like pushing him. of like, oh, the guy behind Rogue One, come see this big kind of visionary sci-fi story from him, and then for it to fail. Like, oh, this this poor guy, he just, he, he can't get many wins in his career these days. Um, but for my, my best thing, it would be, once again, the thing that stands out for every one of his films is just the incredible look of it. I, I love the, the world that it creates. I love the choice of setting it uh, in Asia. I'm not sure where they set it, really. I'm not sure where they filmed. Um, I can't remember if they said, but I think all that stuff looks incredible. The intermixing of the, the technology with people's faces, all of it looks very convincing. And I, I, I just enjoy the movie so much for that. My worst thing is the third act gets strange and wonky in terms of how things progress. I'm sure we'll get into that more of that as we go along. I won't say too much right now, but it does feel like at a certain point either something was rewritten or they had to cut a whole bunch of stuff and it just things just kind of start happening because they need to happen. And both times I was confused <laughs> and baffled why things started to feel so loose. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, I guess that jumps us into the film itself, I think. Um, so the place that I wanted to start is with um, our leading man, is it John David Washington? John David Washington. Yeah, this is his second lead role in a big sci-fi movie that that failed. <laughs> and I would just... Do you think that uh, some of the reason that no, neither one of these movies did that great is audiences maybe... I don't know, do, do people like this guy? Have, do, do you feel like... Do you feel like you've got a connection to him as, a, as an actor? I enjoyed his presence in Tenet, but I feel biased towards that film. I don't know if I'm the right person to ask. Bias in terms of liking it or bias in terms of not liking the film? Oh, sorry. Bias in terms of liking the film and liking his performance in the film. Okay, sure. And how do you feel like he came across in this one? You know, I, I largely felt similar, like his performance felt similar to what he did in Tenet, given that it's a science fiction film. It's not the same, of course. This time he is, I guess, playing instead of... He was very driven in Tenet. I, maybe that's a little bit uh, vague and ambiguous I'm saying that, but he felt very much like he was going towards a goal. I guess here yeah. as well, he's also driven, so what am I saying? But yeah. he's not as... I like how he's more of a rogue character in this, or at least he's not so... He's he's willing to play both sides to get to his uh, ends. Yeah, it's like uh, whatever investment that he had in this this conflict between the the U.S. government and the AIs in general, after they killed his wife, which is not spoilers, it happens in the first, I don't know, like five minutes of the movie. It was like he gave up on the conflict at all. He, they even say in the beginning, like, if you don't if you don't help us, the, the AIs could get technology that could end the world. And he's like, well, you know, you guys, you, you killed my wife, you screwed me over. So if the world's going to end, I just want to go watch TV. So... <laughs> And I like that mentality too. I, I I appreciate that kind of character. A little bit of a, what do you call it? Uh, a little bit of a wild card. Yep. He's got his only one goal going after, and that's that's it. Yeah. No. So he's he's basically given up on the fact that she could be alive. He I believe he already had tried to see if she was alive and uh, kind of met a dead end there. But now there's information that his wife could still be alive um, through through intel. So. You know, so, some I guess similar as well because in in Tenet he's very much trying to 
at least protect that woman. He's trying to protect that lady because she's also the connection to the antagonist of that film. And she's a lot more of a character in that film, but mm. yeah, in Tenet, excuse me, but in, I forget her name. I apologize. Um, <laughs> but his wife in this, while she's definitely important, we don't really see her on screen as much. She like, like she yeah. said, she's, she's killed within like the first five minutes, but she does. I don't know if this is a spoiler, but she does tie into uh, the film itself. There, she does leave something to the film that is, I, I guess, like a part of her plot. Yeah, her presence definitely looms large over the whole story. And even though the character dies very early on, we see little interspliced memories and things like that. And um, well, just I guess before I, I say what I'm going to say next, I'll just answer the question myself for John David Washington. Um, I like this guy too. I. I, I do wonder if maybe maybe he hasn't connected with audiences super great yet. Maybe he hasn't had a role that's really made him pop. Um, but I really liked him in this this little Netflix movie with uh, Zendaya called Malcolm and Mary. It was one of those kind of just closed room dramas where they're, it's just a couple having a really bad night and the whole thing's just shot in their house and they're just yeah having really, really rough times. And he's great in that. And he was also really good in a movie called Amsterdam from a year or so ago. And he had a really different kind of performance there, much more kind of lively and fun. And I was like, oh, I, I hadn't seen this, this side of this guy before, and I, I really appreciate that. So I'm hoping that one day he'll get some that'll really make him connect with an audience, because yeah, I think there's something there with him. I didn't see him in Klansmen. Uh, I know you watched that. What did, what did you think oh. of his performance in that? No, I never seen that actually. Oh, never mind. Okay, well, <laughs> uh, retract my statement. Um, <laughs> that's something to watch in the future. Uh, I wonder. Yeah, I wonder if he's just not him, of course. But I just wonder if he's choosing these films that are a dead end, that they're uh, definite failure, failure. Excuse me, and he's yeah, just maybe picking the wrong projects, or or maybe not. I, I don't know. Yeah, I think in terms of Tenet and the creator, I think. I think if you look at the project from the outside, both of them seem like a guaranteed winners. I mean, one, a big Christopher Nolan sci-fi movie that was being kind of pushed as the next inception. You'd think that that's a guaranteed hit. Just the pandemic, you know, fucked it over. Yep. And the creator, I mean, Gareth Edwards hasn't been super tested as a, a filmmaker, but definitely some big successes in his, his past and his comeback after a long hiatus there. Certainly. I'm glad he did take the time to, uh, I guess, work on this project. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I guess I'll jump now into what I was going to say prior. So I, I just like this guy. There's something about Gareth Edwards ever since his first film, uh, this kind of big indie surprise hit that we'll talk about when we get to it, was really exploratory filmmaking. It was He was taking a lot of interesting risks, and at the time I was quite interested in the movie and I watched some of the behind the scenes on the disc and some interviews with him and I just I felt a, a connection with him just as an individual and so I've always checked out the stuff he's done and I've always had an interest in whatever he was doing even though I consistently end up not liking the films he makes which is was odd <laughs> and one of the things I always find with his movies is he just lacks some some way of making me connect with the characters in his movies I just usually feel like I'm at an arm's length with them and I was curious to see because I know with Eric you know we and him tend to have an, a disagreement there with the characters I was curious with you did you feel much emotional investment with the the wife and husband kind of a emotional drama there in this movie 
They they definitely try. They they. <laughs> Edwards really tried hard this time to, I guess, connect the audience, uh, get, connect the audience to the characters and this relationship they had. I don't think there was enough there. I don't know what it is. I, I yeah. it, like it's been done in other films and it's worked. I don't know what it is. Like I'm, if he's if he's like if he's the six like the, I guess, present day Lucas, uh, yeah, George Lucas hear me out where he's just good with like the camera and the technical aspects. He needs like a, a like, you know what? It, I wonder if he needs something like the Russo brothers where he needs a compatriot. I don't know how well that always works, but like okay. he's a, he needs a dual person. He needs another, like a co-director or something like that, or a good producer to help him or writer to, to, you know, pair him with each other. Um, so they can get, you know, exactly what the audience, uh, or get, get what they want out of the audience, excuse me, with their characters. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what he needs, but I feel like the trend has somewhat continued here because yeah, as much as I can appreciate the performances, um, John David Washington and um, oh, what's her name? Oh, Gemma Chan. I think that's it. I think that they're both good, but yeah, I'm just never very emotionally connected. And there's kind of a big moment between those two actors later in the movie that I feel like in the hands of another filmmaker might have, you know, made me a little dusty eyed or feel a little welling up or something but i i was pretty much just not invested in the relationship enough <laughs> and another side of the emotional core of the movie is john david washington's character in the search for his his dead wife or resurrected wife i guess he ends up getting paired with this this weapon that all the the u.s is after this this little kid who is a more advanced uh, simulant than they've ever seen and who will one day hold some uh, some big potential power over uh, technology and we've seen in prior gareth edwards films that he likes to include kids in there whether it be very briefly like in rogue one or a little bit bigger in godzilla 2014 this is easily the biggest uh, use of a, of a child in his movies and they really try to sell you on the mo emotional connection with these two characters and i i i like it well enough but the same with the wife there's some big emotional moments between the two of them. And I was again just sitting there like, oh, I'm just, I'm not feeling really emotionally moved. I'm not caught up in this moment. And I, I, I just, I think that's a shame. I, I wish that this movie could have hit some of those, those moments a little bit harder. I think you've, you've, you've nailed the, the nail on the head. Excuse me, or you've, you've hit the nail on the head there for my worst thing. I, I got my worst thing now, sir. Mm. Worst thing. This movie is a first draft. Or maybe second draft. I don't know. It's but it's not the final draft. Like I, f I feel like he's he's got something and and he just needs to do like maybe one more draft and then he's got like his script. Yeah, yeah. Because the the performances were all there. Yeah, I just for some reason it just did not quite make it. And yeah, maybe a couple more polishes on the script might have got it there. Uh, but but I don't want to focus too much on some of the weakest elements of the film. I, I do want to highlight the 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 child actress playing Alfie. Uh, I think she's a lot of fun throughout the movie. I think her performance is quite good for a kid actor, and yeah, I think I think the two of them have good chemistry. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know why it just didn't uh, didn't pull me in. Yeah, and at, there's th this moment both times I watched it felt uh, very unmotivated in a way that kind of frustrated me. Less so on the the second viewing, but the first kind of big bonding scene that we get between the two of them, because uh, the first half of their relationship. It's, 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 you know, it's not very pleasant. She's kind of confused by him. She 
it, it, he's the only person that's around that she can latch on to after you know her her home gets destroyed and he's just kind of mean to her dismisses her tries to like push her away i guess he doesn't want to kill a kid so he's uh and he doesn't actually care about the mission that he was there for so he doesn't really care about her but we get this one scene where he is trying to convince her to help him find his wife and he's like oh you know help your friend uh find this and he he goes on and on and the only thing that she latches on to is that he says that he's a friend of hers and after that they go on to this little traveling section it's all done in montage uh, but this montage is supposed to be their time when they bond together finally but again it's all done in montage and it, we get this little voiceover and we kind of see these fragmented things of them talking about and either one of them will go to heaven because he's a, a bad person and you know she's a, a simulant and they we see them kind of hug a little bit and you know they soft soften towards each other and both times it frustrated me because i was like why did we do this piece in montage i mean i guess you want to get to all the action stuff but i feel like maybe i could have been more invested in this relationship between the two of them if you didn't just kind of almost what's the word almost uh almost feel like it was an obligation to include it which is how it comes off a little bit it's almost like oh let's quickly skim over this stuff and then get to the the rest of it but it's kind of the stuff that's the emotional core of the movie so that's 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 just misguided uh writing or directing i'm not sure which one it comes down to on that part but i wonder if it's again too ambitious where like what he's trying to aim for is just not within the budget and time allotted so he he puts what's there what's necessary uh on in the scenes and then just trusts that the audience will put two and two together and read between the lines yeah and this this comes to a problem that i have with godzilla 2014 where sometimes i think maybe he falls too much on assumed empathy or assumed um emotional connection like i always point out with that movie i feel like he assumes that we have this this young soldier with a young wife and two and, and a kid and he's kind of like okay automatically the audience is gonna embrace and, and like this guy because he's one in the military he's, he's serving his country in this this time of need and he's got a, a loving family at home so we're just gonna like the guy and go along with him i feel like that was a mistake in its way for me <laughs> And maybe there's supposed to be just an assumed connection between these two that the audience is just going to kind of fall into the, the emotional journey with the two of them. And I, yeah, it, I don't know. I don't know how well that that works for, for these, these films. Well, again, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a balancing point for him to say like, how much do I want to show uh, and connect these characters to the audience and how much do I want to like, you know, play with my toys. <laughs> yeah i don't mean that in a uh offensive way to, to him or, or anything like that because hey he honestly i think he does a very good job with action oh yes yeah great action director some of those scenes like you mentioned with the tank earlier i think that whole section and, and uh it looks fantastic with all the the smoke in there the smoke grenades that we get these these cool robots that charge at you and run to their location to blow up a lot of that stuff i i will definitely stand on my memory as being really really stand out but uh, yeah I don't, I don't know and again I'm, I'm always rooting for the guy i always want to see him succeed yeah same here i feel bad being being hard on him for this but you know i honestly wonder if he would be a really good pick for uh to have done the halo tv series it's interesting i feel like he has i feel like he has a sensibility i know, I know that nobody cares about halo except for you know people who play video games but like <laughs> i feel like he 
especially with the aesthetic kind of looking similar to Halo, it's not obviously the exact same thing, don't worry. But I'm just saying, like, mm-hmm. I feel like he'd have a fun time in that, or at least give him, like, the keys to the Halo universe and let him do his own thing. Because I feel like he could do something pretty cool, especially since it's military guys. And you can remove yourself from, like, oh, he's serving his country. Or maybe, maybe not. But, like, I, I, yeah, give him the keys to the Halo universe. I think he'd have fun with that. Yeah, no, that's not a bad point. Yeah, maybe when they're done with that TV show, maybe they'll uh, try something else. Uh, you know what? Another thing, I, th- I, th- I, okay, this is not on because again, I'm I'm not him. I'm not on the Hollywood system, so I can't. Yeah, I, I can't come here and say I know everything and couch quarterback and backseat game here for him. But I do wonder if he should take a look at say like what uh, Gareth Evans, intentional Gareth Evans was doing. Uh, with the raid and how you know how action packed that first one is, and yet somehow we are maybe maybe it's been a while for you, but at least I'm I feel like I'm connected to the main character by the end of it. Oh yeah, definitely. And then the second one too. I mean that one's much longer. You know they they it is yeah. But yeah, they even make a joke of it. It's like a tagline. It's like what is it? Uh, Eighty nine minutes of action and like yeah. one minute of rom- romance or something like that. Yeah, one minute of drama or story. One minute story, ninety nine minutes of action, and that, that's the first one. By the way, sorry, just to be specific. Um, yeah, so somehow, oh. yeah, somehow. I mean, maybe it's also because Evans stripped everything down. And it was inside an apartment building, and it wasn't yeah. globe trotting, or at least, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, literally globe trotting, like in this movie is. So. Yeah, maybe if he had, yeah, maybe, I mean, but the problem, not problem, but the thing is kind of like myself, that Evan, Edward, excuse me, is he's so ambitious, like all of his, all of his, um, what is it, all of his movies are very big. I know I've not seen Monsters yet, but like the fact that it deals with Kaiju, the, the guy is, has a vision, like the guy does have a, that's, that's his downfall. I don't want to say downfall. That's that's what's like. That's the that's the problem. There is that like he's so ambitious and he has so many good ideas that it's all the little details that like make it not work. Unfortunately. Yeah, and again, we I think we both we both gave this a feeling, and I'm I'm definitely in the camp of you know a positive. I, I think that this is a step in the right direction for him, um, and I'm glad to see him back. But yeah, there's just things about it that just don't quite connect right. And I'm not sure if that's why it didn't uh, succeed at the box office. I think the ads might have not been great either. Did you see many of those? I saw them all in theaters. I don't think I saw any on Twitch or on YouTube. Obviously, I don't watch TV much anymore. So yeah, uh, I don't know what the, the ad and obviously like, you know, other internet advertisement. I have no, I feel like it's going to end up being like King Arthur Legend of the Sword where the marketing just like that, that alone is going to, ruin the box office like for that movie so i wonder if that's gonna hmm. come to bite them in the rear yeah because when i saw the trailers i would just be excited like oh he's back like that, that that's that's interesting and yet but like nobody see the thing is he was back but he's also not because i know they had to but they titled they didn't even say his name because everybody's like yeah. who <laughs> who who because all they said was from the creator or at least from the director of rogue one yeah and it's like who's that so even that's kind of like they had no obviously he has to showcase that or like show his credentials or else because nobody because he's not a household name I'm like between you and I so it's yeah that's that's frustrating for the guy you got to do what you got to do obviously but yeah the guy definitely is a W like I I thought it was a 
well, it was a it was a very lukewarm W for for me, but <laughs> I I, yeah. I don't know if it's a W in like objectively speaking when it comes to the box office. I don't know how this did critically, by the way. I assume it's probably in the seventies or the sixties. Uh, I could quickly take a look. I won't read reviews. I no, from no. what I could see, it was it, it got a uh mixed but leaning positive reception from what I saw. Yeah, I, f- I figured. So the more like seventies probably. Yeah, let's take a look here. Again, and these these also could be biased. We don't we don't know because they could be bots. Who know? They could be AI <laughs> supporting their their fellow director. Who knows? Well, at least for IMDb, it got a seven point one, and Rotten Tomatoes sixty seven percent. So you know, moderate, moderate. About what I thought. Um, it was was uh, was Ad Astra? Do you remember if that was? Uh, I I couldn't tell you what the budget was for that, even though that's on my end, but. I wonder if that was also like a mid-budget film. Um, I feel like it was bigger than this, but okay. And I don't think it did particularly well either. No, it didn't. Especially the fact that it was like a Brad Pitt movie, so it yeah. probably would have to be a little bit more expensive. And and Tommy Lee Jones as well. Those two do not huh. uh, do do quite cost a pretty penny. Oh, it said it's eighty to a hundred million, and yeah, not much more in the box office. Hundred and thirty-five million. <laughs> This is Ad Astra, by the way, for those. Yeah, Ad Astra. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah, so so would you call it a mid-budget film or or at least a lower high-budget film? Yeah, Ad Astra, I guess lower, lower high. Well, I guess mid-budget for these types of movies for a a blockbuster. That's mid-budget these days. I'm thinking that as well. Okay, what's a mid-budget film? Obviously, like, in terms of money. I also was thinking, like, okay, it's a mid-budget film. You can can answer the question because you watch a lot more movies than i do uh probably mid-budget films to be precise um a mid-budget film is the intermediate what a shock it's called mid um but it's it's the in-between um both like a lower budget film and then a higher budget film and sometimes lower budget films can be artistic and a little bit more leaning towards like true art and then as we get to overinflated budgets, those can be like just giant, you know, colossal blockbusters that are there to just be an action film. And that's it. Uh, with little to no care of art, unless it's like, you know, for the sets, for the actors, checks, and uh, other stuff. Um, so I feel like mid budget films are like the in between, where it's like we're trying to still be artistic uh, and have an artistic integrity with a vision. That's Gareth Ed- Edwards. But still also, like, some of them can also be, like, we want to be a little bit more ambitious with this budget we have. Hence, you know, the globe-trotting adventure that he has in this film. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the extremely <laughs> well-produced CGI, which I'm sure cost a ton as well. Yeah, because, again, it it really is, is something here. They've, especially considering so many of the movies we see these days, it lives up to his reputation of having great effects in, in the movies he works in. And by the way, he started as a effects uh, person. That's that was his career before uh, directing. Yep. No, that makes sense. That's that's why he just he he knows. Like this is the tale of uh, an effects guy trying to be a director. And yep. darn it, I and that's another reason why people may not like connect because he's not a writer to begin with. Um, he could be a director mm-hmm. definitely, but he's just. I can't say that because anybody could be a writer, obviously. It's just, I think he needs to, like, I guess, keep working on it. Because I think he has to, perse- he has to persevere because I feel like he will have that hit one day. And then he's he's got it. 
Yeah, and, and technically he did have uh, two really big hits before this. I mean, <laughs> in within the Godzilla community, yes, people still very much hold up Godzilla 2014 as one of the great ones. I just happen to disagree. And same with Rogue One. There are a lot of Star Wars fans say that that's the best since the original trilogy. It did. It was a... Well, I don't know what Disney says, but it technically was a commercial success because I believe it did make over a billion dollars. It did make two billion like Force Awakens did, but it still made over a billion dollars. So it pretty yep. sure it made its budget back. Yeah, no, it was definitely yeah one of their early out following the Force Awakens. It was not a disappointment, I don't think. Yeah. So for him, that's a plus. But it's funny because after that, he, you know, goes into goes on to Dagobah and just trains for years. Yeah, and I don't know if you remember our, our commentary for Rogue One, but I did watch a whole bunch of behind-the-scenes stuff and um, interviews with him. And he, it was it was sad because you could tell that he was trying to cover up for the fact that he had a really rough time emotionally making that with the way Disney was. And there was some sort of interview that I watched that came out shortly before we did that commentary. And he was like, one of the hardest things I had to come to terms with was with, with making films in the studio systems is that you're never going to make the film that you want. You're never going to make the film that you want to see. It's always just working within the compromises that you're kind of stuck in. And I wish I could remember what that interview was. I might've said the link in that uh, discussion, but it was just a sad thing to see, especially considering that I'd watched so much stuff early in his career when he was excited and people were excited about him because of the very unique way that he made monsters. And then to see him come to that, it was, yeah, I, I wasn't really expecting him to come back to filmmaking after that, <laughs> but... Yeah, or at least, you know, major blockbuster filmmaking, because... Mm. Yeah. If it's... If you, again, look behind the curtain of The Wizard of Oz, it's like, oh, uh, let's, you know, if, if you learn the... You learn the, the, the tricks to the the magic on, on stage, it's like, oh, watch well, Sours the Mood. I can't yeah. unsee that now, so it's like... It really, yeah, I guess it is really heartbreaking. Um, that's why, that's why I guess like Evans had so much success. Well, I, yeah, I think he has so much success because success, excuse me, because he he went to he went elsewhere. He went to Indonesia and he you know films some other stuff. He filmed Maranthau, which I think is amazing. He films the Raid duology, and he has other things under his belt now. Gangs of London, I still really want to watch. Oh, me too. My goodness. I yeah so he he like he's built himself up through like you know I guess uh like lower budget stuff I wonder if he's yeah just in the wrong Edwards is in the yeah the wrong system if he should be going to the more low, lower budget stuff even if that means he's not gonna you know be able to do all this bombastic stuff that he, we want to see on screen or he wants to see on screen excuse me yeah and yeah that is interesting for him because he's always from his first movie had ambitions to make movies much bigger than his means at that time and then just immediately jumped right into blockbusters so i think this is the place that he wants to be working in he just hasn't quite found that balance yet and maybe what he needs to do is find a, a regular collaborator as a writer because yeah i don't i don't know if he's just not had the right people to serve his grand visions but yeah he's not quite there yet this is a good step in the right direction i don't want to uh, be too negative we've definitely been focusing on more of the negative stuff because there is quite a bit of positives to get into but yeah it's just it's not quite there yet yeah it's like yeah we're while we 
we really don't want to come across as being negative because we feel for the guy. We like the guy a lot. We want to see him succeed for Pitt's sakes. Um, we just, I want to, he's never going to listen to this, but Gareth, Gareth, if you're, if you're listening to us, Edward, excuse me, if you're listening to us, I have to make that clear. Um, Evans, hi. I love your movies. Uh, and Ev- Edwards as well. I love your movies. Um, just stick in there, man. Just, just, I mean, maybe I'm wrong on this, but like, keep at it. Cause like, you know, you see Scorsese, he's still putting out freaking movies at like his age for crying out loud. So like, you know, Kurosawa didn't start until what, his thirties or his fifties? Like, for pit's sakes, like don't give up. Like do not give up. I, unless you know, I, I'm saying this as like a nobody, obviously. <laughs> but just as a nobody who likes your films, it's like there are success stories everywhere. You came from like nothing. Like show everybody what you can do, and obviously we're seeing that. It's just like, yeah, keep keep improving yourself because that's the thing with with Hollywood is that you actually can improve yourself, and some people may not notice that. Yeah, but I guess let's move back into. Uh... Yeah, discussing some of the, the things about the film that we like. The actual film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to uh, point out, and I, I really enjoyed this both times I saw it, and I think that they did it well in a way that it um, had some legitimacy in the, the film filmmaking. And that was the whole opening showing this alternative history up to the point that they exist in then. Uh, it seems like in, in the reality of this movie, they maybe discovered the or at least advanced to the AI technology. Maybe the 50s or the 60s, something like that it looked like. Yeah, it reminded me of, uh, I don't know if you ever saw the intro to Fallout 4, but it actually kind of reminds me of that. Oh. Uh, where they also deal with alternate history, where they went in a different direction and they were able to discover uh, science, or at least some advanced science that we would have had, if, if not like differently, uh, we, that we even still have now today, uh, where they like, you know, which then eventually led to, you know, the bombs dropping and the vaults being made beforehand. So, uh, yeah, this, that was really nice. I was not expecting that we were going to do alternate history rather than just like, oh, it's in the future. And it's not even that far off in the future. I think it was 62, I believe, or 63. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and I liked that to start, we get like this classic Americana kind of look at the, the world. And then when it all falls apart, we switch to such a dramatically different culture with all this... Uh, Again, I'm not sure which countries they're in. They may be in various different countries. I believe, so it's supposed to be a conglomeration uh, between, I guess, like the Philippines, Vietnam, the Oceanic regions, and like parts of maybe South China, Laos, Mm. or Laos, excuse me, uh, Burma, I believe is in there. Uh, You know, those those various regions. And, Mm. well, if... I said 63 or 62, and then I said all these, you know, Vietnam, Philippines, and all those regions. Mm. If it's not clear enough, it's the Vietnam War. Yeah, mixed between the Vietnam War and the War on Terror. Yes, yes, definitely War on Terror. Yeah, and the uh, the nuclear explosion in um, L.A. definitely has its connection to uh, 9-11. So. <laughs> definitely. Although not as, not, like, subtle... And not as much imagery. I think the Vietnam side yeah. of things is a lot more uh, at the forefront than the war on terror. Yeah, well, just in terms of they they reference that all the time, and that was the impetus of their war, and that's kind of what they used to push the agenda that, oh, we're not at war with a, a, a country, we're at war with these splinter groups within the country. We're not at war with New Asia, whatever it was called. We're at war specifically with the AIs who just happen to reside there. I think it was New Pacific of Asia or New Asia Pacific. I don't remember now. 
And of course, that's what they did with the war on terror, too. And that's why they could get away with not necessarily declaring wars in certain countries. Because they'd be like, oh, we're not at war with the country. We just have, we're just dropping bombs in it and sending troops in just to, you know, get rid of those damn terrorists, not with the country itself. That did feel weird t towards the end. This, hopefully this isn't spoilers, but towards the end when, like, Nomad starts, you know, targeting certain AI facilities around the world, I was like, okay, how much jurisdiction does, do, like, does America have? Unless that was the point. And, and soon we'll get into spoilers and we'll discuss some of my issues with that whole, yeah, end maybe 20 minutes or so. Um, but one of the things I wanted to go to before we get there, I uh, definitely want to include this, is your experience seeing the theater, seeing in the theater. That's right. Because, yeah, you saw it in Screen X, the new format, relatively new. <laughs> the brand new format. Hmm. Yeah, and I went to go see one movie previously in it, Top Gun Maverick, and it was a dead theater. It was only me and one other person, and he got up halfway through and left. <laughs> so, um... Uh, how was your screening with it? Was the theater full or similar thing for you? I think there was about eight people. Okay. Mm. And this was, remember, this is at like 7.30 at night uh, or whenever it was, 8.30 or whenever it was, or was it? No, it was 9.40. Okay, so it was oh, kinda, yeah. Okay, so to be fair, this was kind of in the evening, but mm. regardless of that... So did they like blow up the image? Like obviously not widescreen it between two because i was like okay because similar to what nolan does where he it's never a true imax where it, like it, it always like flips back and forth between certain scenes uh this is during like you know certain action scenes uh does it switch to screen x uh with yeah. the other two i guess side monitors not even monitors but projection excuse me and okay sure it's it didn't really do anything for me um, because my eyes, my peripherals didn't pick up anything. I was like, I kept looking, I, I did like look at the screens or the projections and I was like, um, <laughs> what, uh, and uh -huh. so, so, well, I'm not going to be a total, like, you know, Scrooge or, you know, angry, like every person is on the internet about this. I'm just more like, <sighs> so, so somehow like James Cameron's avatar is 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 literally like the thing that is meant it is the only thing that is meant for 3D cuz the guy has mm. made it his mission for that to work and it works. Of course he's using a ridiculous amount of money to do that so <sighs> I don't know if it was Edward's intention to use ScreenX. I have no idea. I don't even know if that is the case for any I don't know if Maverick was also you know, supposed to be formatted in screen. Well, it is. I know that, but I don't know if they intended for it to be um, put in or used in Screen X. Because my criticism is that you need to utilize it more to get it. Because because if you want it to not be a fad, you have to really like work with it. You have to really say like, okay, well, how can we really enhance against enhance the movie theater experience? Again, it's no different. It's like what gamers were saying. 10 years ago or 12 years ago when the whole motion controls craze came out of like you know what like what's wrong with a controller like mm -hmm. the idea of like oh with the connect you can use your hands you can use your hands and look like, like wave around to like you know do cool things like it's minority report again why what, what's wrong with the controller like even <laughs> even the apple uh console or what not apple console excuse me but the um Apple TV or whatever that box is called. I'm sorry, I forget. 
even that has a controller. Yeah, and I'm curious for you, were there any moments that stood out that you felt were noticeable in the screen X where it's like, oh, okay, this moment, yeah, that that feels like it it was interesting or added anything? Or was it all just kind of like, oh, it has no effect except for... Flat, yeah, bladder, flat, nope. Just like, little, like mm-hmm. little, I didn't... I, sorry, guys, I wasn't impressed, but I'm not negative either. I'm just like, it did literally nothing for me, so... Yeah. Sorry, guys. Um, yeah, I guess you guys tried. Um, so how long do you think before Screen X will be discontinued? I don't know. I can't. I imagine it costs them a ton to put that that in there. But when I watched Top Gun Maverick, I had the same reaction. It was like, okay, they only utilized it when it went during the flying scenes. And there was maybe one, maybe two moments where I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. There was like a moment where we see this, this ship... And we don't see the plane on the main screen, but then we see it come in from the sides and then eventually go to the main screen. I was like, okay, that was vaguely cool, <laughs> but it really, yeah, I, I'm not quite negative either. I just, I don't, I don't get what they think that this is going to add. I, it feels like one of the, it feels like a useless gimmick more than anything. Yeah, but Well, yeah, just another superfluous, like... I guess enticing fad to get people to go to the movies. It could be, yeah, may- maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, dude. I don't. I don't know. But this is <laughs> like I just, yeah, I just don't know what to say other than like I was unimpressed, but that doesn't mean I'm like you know calling for its head. I'm not witch hunting <laughs> the screen X out. I'm just like I'm probably just gonna go see a movie in regular theaters. Yes, and that's it. <laughs> Yeah, there, there's never going to be a reason why I'm going to be pulled to, oh, I have to see this in Screen X. I just... <laughs> there is a difference, obviously, between like IMAX and yeah. regular screen. Yeah. So why are they why are they trying these other gimmicks? Like At this point, there's only two... Well, I guess there's even three, like the drive-in. Like, the drive-in probably has but like the least amount of like sound quality and all that stuff, but there's something about going out... Maybe it's the experience. I don't know, but going out yeah. and watching it like under the stars when it's not like you know piss raining or something like that, or even if it's piss raining, and just watching a movie in your car. I don't know what it is. That's no, that's a really good experience. Yeah, one that you can't really re- re- replicate in a theater. Yeah, it definitely has its unique thing there that has its value. And once again, I'm I'm you know ranting and you know complaining about Twilight Theater being uh, can or being shut down soon. Hey, I I thought that they were still looking for ways to save it, but yeah, it, it's most likely to be gone. <laughs> very sad. Very, very, very sad. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. It's... Gotta go at least one more time. Yeah, no, that's fair. And they got a lot of horror movies playing right now. Oh, sweet. Okay, anyway. But for some more positives, um, I think that they had a good use of music throughout this movie, which was new for Gareth Edwards. I don't really notice the music too much in the films I've seen of him prior. And maybe that comes down to studio connections with Godzilla. Oh, we want more of the old themes and Rogue One. Oh, we're pushing the Star Wars vibe. So we, we can't have, you know, this kind of music inserted in there. That would yeah not fit at all within their franchise. I was very surprised. I thought Giacchino was going to return after working with uh, Edwards on Rogue One. However, I was very shocked, very shocked, and I'm also really wanting to hear what you have to say about this. I was very shocked and impressed with Han Zimmer's score uh, for the Creator. 
I like it. I definitely like it. Yeah. Well, for one, you can hear it, and you can also hear the dialogue that everyone's <laughs> saying. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Nolan. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, it, I, you know, I gotta give it. I gotta give my like hand to him. I gotta give give him credit for. You know, I guess so long for so long people have been like just complaining and berating him for like you're using too much like synthesizers or dubstep or whatever it is like those <laughs> giant bass drums or whatever it is that he's known for. Uh, and he, this time he laid back. He he laid back and gave us. I think Eric kind of said this, but he gave us a atmospheric score. And yeah. I definitely agree with Eric. Where uh, in the end of the film, I waited till the end of the credits and I was actually very pleasantly surprised with the fact that he used just sound like he just, what what is it he just used like ambient noises from like the outside world like crickets chirping wind rustling against grass maybe there was some water in there as well he just let like it reminded me a bit of the lion king maybe not as like broad Ooh. strokes 1994 excuse me I know he did like you know yeah. the CGI version but uh, again but I just mean like the 94 version um, just cause he had the, so I was like, cause I was like, okay, there's, there's sort of like some, you know, uh, for, they're using some instruments that may sound a bit like, you know, Filipino or, or Vietnamese or something like that from that region. And so I was like, okay, I'm, I'm liking this, this score so so far. And it's also making me feel like there's something familiar about it. And that's, that's why, cause it's Hans Zimmer. So I was like, oh, okay. So he's going back to his more like world music or maybe not world music, but going to regional music. So it's like, okay, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, it felt uh, like a different flavor of him than I've seen in a little while. Some of the, the earlier Nolan stuff could have that kind of yeah, more setting and atmosphere. Batman begins, I think of having some of that, but, but I was actually more talking about just the, uh, like the licensed music. I thought there was some good choices in there. Oh, <laughs> yes. No, that's true. There was a Radiohead song in there. I was like, oh, fair enough. That's that's not bad. That's not a bad choice. Yeah, and I like the uh, the Fly Me to the Moon inclusion since I'm listening to so much of that lately with Bayonetta. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just wait till we watch Evangelion. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I, I appreciate that. I, I, I like the music choices there. Uh, How do you feel about the... The little uh, title screens that we would get throughout the movie. Yes. I would get the creator at first and the child and I think the friend's the last one we get. Yeah. Or is it the mom? No, you saw it. You, you saw it recently. Never mind. So what am I saying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe we get a, maybe we get a last one. I can't remember, but I know that we at least get three. There was, yeah, there was three of them. I thought the creator was at the end. Uh, no, the last thing that we see is just... Well, maybe I'll, I'll save that. I guess we can get to spoilers now, actually. <laughs> it's been long enough. Okay. Uh, any, anything else? Anything else before we, I guess, get to spoilers? Because we'll obviously give our... I'll, I'll obviously say, like, you know, if we're not spoilers, um, I would recommend this movie. I would recommend and Not just because, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm a Gareth Edwards stan, or both of us are. <laughs> um, and we're simping for him. But just, like, no, let's, well, like, like... I wouldn't say that. <laughs> it's... Well, it does have. There's a lot of bombast to the film. I think it's a lot more legible than maybe a, a over-the-top blockbuster that you would see in these two hundred million dollar films. Yeah, it. Um, there's loftier goals there. I don't feel like it fully reaches it, but just uh, I can appreciate the the vibe of the movie and the look, especially. I feel like if you get a chance to see in the theater, if it's still playing, I just. Just go see it. See it on a cheap Tuesday or see it in a premiere uh, kind of 
format like IMAX, although I'm sure it's not playing in IMAX anymore anywhere. It's not playing in IMAX anymore. <laughs> but it's it's certainly worth it to see it on the big screen at least once. I I think you're going to come away positive, even if it's just for the visual experience. It's it's totally worth it on the big screen. I agree. All right, Caleb, roll tape. Avatar spoilers go. This section of the podcast contains spoilers for all seasons of Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. Spoilers. Enter at your peril. Welcome to spoilers. Um, uh, John David Washington dies. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and I guess that takes us to, well, actually we haven't talked about, and I guess she's part of, we can include her in spoiler section, I guess. Totally, of course. Like now, from here on out, like almost everybody but Alfie dies. Yeah, but we get um, we get this character, this this villain. I I forgot to mention her up to this point because I kind of forgot that she was even in the movie. You just <laughs> saw it, <laughs> and I just saw it. Um, yeah, and she's I I don't know I don't know what to say about her. She feels like a like a non presence and a non entity. Like I get the role of the character. But it feels like you could have just put like a CGI creation in that role. Like the 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 actress who I like at times in other roles, I I feel like she gave me really nothing here. It it was just uh yeah I don't know. It just felt like a stand-in for a character, the villain, a little bit. So she reminds me of Jodie Foster's character from Elysium, combined with uh, Korich from Avatar. But, like, I guess just standard and generic. Like, she's the driving force to catch the guy, or to, to catch um, John David Washington's character. Yeah, and, and they try to give us one moment where we see her crying, and she mentions, oh, how her, her kids got killed by some uh, simulants that tricked him. But, I don't know, I didn't even necessarily believe her. I feel like she's just a, a lying government stooge. That's what other people on the internet thought as well. They were hypothesizing that as well. Yeah, and I just, I don't have interest in bland, empty military characters. It's one of my, <laughs> I don't really care for military characters in general most of the time. I feel like a lot of them fall into just tropes most of the time. They don't feel like fully dimensional characters. They almost just feel like representatives of a of the government. And that's what she feels like. She's the representative of the the war effort against AIs and really nothing more complex in that and yeah i feel like that's just uh again just a disappointment again i'm trying to remember i think it was both aliens and top gun maverick where you were a little more impressed with the military characters in that yeah every now and again they make them actual characters and that's all i that's all i need to like them <laughs> give me a, a real character don't just be like okay you know look look at their uniform that's all you need to know <laughs> Yeah, he wants personality. He wants character. Now, obviously, that may sacrifice the idea of realism for the fact that like, this is not how the military would operate. 
but of course we're dealing with science fiction and not only that science fiction like you know at alternate timelines so but that's still obviously you know from our, our present day or at least our past so there should be some professionalism within the military and we wouldn't have this kind of mindset but again i think she was or edwards or the writers were trying to go for she's crazy like not crazy well yeah she's crazy and a lot of these other like look how inhumane like they were really really trying to push that you know the america is the bad guys or are the bad guys what a shock um yeah. like they're wait are we the bad guys um and like you know the new asia pacific or whatever new pacific of asia i forget what the title is called but those guys over there they're the ones who understand more they they have like you know embraced uh ais and simulants and so yeah. like you know they, they're the progress whereas the uh they're the progressives and the uh, united states is the conservatives sorry yeah there's constant shots of them humanizing that part of the world the only real glimpse that we see of the u.s it's uh they've like they've removed nature from it we don't see any animals we just see this kind of crisp overly technological world but then when we go to the new new asia whatever you said it was called i apologize i don't remember the name um we see that there's animals everywhere the, there's these people more connected to life they're all working in nature and they're intermixed with these ais and one of them even says like oh they have bigger hearts uh, the, it's you can't stop them it's evolution and they even have this this curious trend that I I'm curious what you think was the purpose of it, and it's funny timing because we recently discussed THX 1138, and they they did something vaguely similar, but I feel like the purpose was more clear there. Um, but we get at least two instances in this movie where the animals either intentionally or unintentionally come to the aid of the AIs, and <laughs> using explosives both times. Um, at first, we see this little dog, um, uh, John David Washington, and the little girl. I can't remember the character. Or Alfie. They're trying to escape from this this person's house. And the AIs, or the AI police, they throw a bomb at them. And this dog grabs it. It's almost like it's just trying to play fetch or something. It's like, oh, they threw this bomb in here. I'll, I'll, I'll bring it out to them and bring it back to them. So that dog maybe unintentionally saves them. But later on, we get this this moment where this AI guy, he plants a bomb on one of the tanks that we see rolling in. And they they kill him and this, this monkey who was watching the whole exchange. He watched him plant the bomb. They, they even cut to, to us to make sure, like, oh, look, the, the monkey very clearly understands. And then after the AI gets killed, we see him drop his little trigger for the bomb. And the monkey leaps over and it grabs it and it blows up the tank for him. And I was like, whoa, like that... <laughs> like well that's such a direct action by the monkey like what or, or what do you think they were trying to say there <laughs> i think by the and also just for all those yes the dog survived like the so dog yeah. survived like clearly we even see like we pan over the i was like dog survived pan over the camera dog survived mm -hmm. all right evans or edward excuse me you got me this time uh you're fine you're fine uh i think the, i don't know if the monkey survived or not that's kind of sad but um if there's like some pseudo bullshito mysticism going on here uh, with like nature literally like alongside uh, the fact that we have nature, humanity, and then uh, machines that humanity has created. So like nature created humans, humans then created machinery. So they're all like coexisting 
somehow obviously they're probably struggle there still but like they're still in, in at least equilibrium and harmony so it's nature giving some pluses again it's like i guess you know gaia at the end of um uh, 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 avatar so like or yeah like J- james cameron's avatar maybe mm-hmm. or she like brings out the beasts that like sends back up um Maybe it's that, but it is so very minor that, like, yeah, you blink, not blink, you miss, but, like, you look at it and it's like, is there some, like, bullshito magic in there? I, Who knows? Um, I think maybe. And I also like the fact that, I mean, the regions they're in, uh, in, in like, the, the, I guess, the Asian area. Sorry, I'm just going to go with it for now. Um, yeah. <laughs> they, they even, it's not like they aren't fully, you know, uh, just nature everywhere. There is still like you know cities that are like high tech and yeah, um, yep. lo- like mega structures and mega cities. Excuse me, but again, that's like I guess one region. But they still have. I mean, yeah, we don't know what America looks like. Um, yeah, but but like 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 you said, there's all we see is just you know concrete and steel and and machinery everywhere. Yeah, and I think just in terms of what they're the message they're trying to push is yeah the. The U.S. They even act as if they've uh, they because the the lead enemy woman talks about the, the 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 Neanderthals like oh you know hey they used to be around but uh, you know they're not any, they're not around anymore because a bigger a better species evolved or at least a bigger one and wiped them out a more superior uh, one I guess I don't know and and so they've kind of positioned themselves as being like oh the AIs are potentially the next step in evolution. But we're against that. We want to remove that kind of evolutionary process. We want to cut it off at the pass to keep things how they are. So I've kind of positioned the U.S. in this as being against evolution and wanting to kind of pull away from nature in that way, just in terms of representative that we see. And so they're positioning the New Asia places. Yeah, they're they're wanting to to see that progress happen, see the evolution grow. And I think using the animals in that way was supposed to be like even in nature is trying to push towards the the way things are supposed to go but they i think they made it too overt if they had like vines and stuff like oh the tanks can't make it through because the the bush is too thick maybe it would have been like stupid because it would have been like okay well then why do we even write the tanks in there if they can't go where they're going exactly but maybe we didn't need to be so overt that the because i mean monkeys are smart <laughs> I, I don't know if the monkey would be invested enough in a conflict to be activating bombs Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I don't know enough about that species of of, uh, of monkey. But <laughs> you know what they could have done. You know what they could have done. And maybe maybe this I don't know. They could have had that uh, that AI have the monkey as a pet. Yeah, no, that would have helped. And so literally, as soon as like as soon as and it was because and while well, Alfie did kind of interact with the dog and made the dog her friend. You could make that as a little stretch because the dog's yeah. not technology. At least with the monkey uh, detonating the remote, that's at least because you know the the AI was their their family or their 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 parents. Excuse me. So yeah, at least that's like that. That would actually I think make a little bit more sense. Actually, yeah, that would have worked even more uh, in a way. Yeah, they could have had like a scene earlier where the one of the AIs was like, "Hey, bring me some dates." And see the monkey run off. <laughs> <laughs> nice reference there. Um, yeah, I mean, and the other thing is like you know the the lady in charge there. She's like complete a complete and utter idiot. Pardon me for saying that. Uh, for saying that line about the Neanderthals. 
uh, with like, you know, oh yeah, like we, we came in there. It's like, wait a minute. So aren't you just saying the exact same thing though? Like you're now the Neanderthals to the AI. <laughs> yeah, that, that is what she's saying. Yeah. But she's like this time around, we're not going to let that progress happen. We're going to you know, chop it off at the, the pass and wipe all these AIs out. Oh, she really is an idiot and doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> yeah. Or she's in the wrong movie. Yeah, and that's why, that's why I started to think maybe the animal thing was meant to be like, oh, nature wants this to go forward and succeed. It doesn't want to uh, just succumb to these these arrogant American Americans. <laughs> Americans. <laughs> Oops. American <laughs> ignorance. No, and by the way, Gareth Edwards is a, a British filmmaker. So maybe some of the people not coming to see us are like, oh, screw those Brits trying to frame us as bad. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure the American audience don't care. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's not like it's not like you guys rebelled against them back in 1776. Well, before then, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, that's not. Anyways, <laughs> War of Independence. What? Um, but I guess should we? Is there anywhere else to go? For we? Oh, I guess actually, there's one more thing I'll say before we jump to the third act. Unless you have some more things. Um. Well, I mean, did we forget? Well, I guess that's in the third act, so we'll wait for for that. But what do you got? What do you got for us? Um, so there's several times in the movie where Gareth Edwards, um, or I guess he did write this. He wrote it with someone else. Um, but I can't remember if this pops up in his previous movies, but it, you definitely see it in modern blockbusters and blockbusters of the nineties and the two thousands. And I always just feel like this is needless <laughs> where they throw in, in serious movies that aren't really comedic. They feel the need every now and again to try to get a laugh out of the audience. And they do it several times in this movie. And I don't know if you even remember them. Usually they're very brief and not very noticeable. <laughs> um, but they, to me, stand out as just a little bit awkward. And, and like we, this movie's got such a precise tone. Usually we really don't need every now and again to try to get a laugh because, yeah, that's just not this kind of movie. Uh, the first time we see it is when the 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 bad lady gets arrested and she she finds one of her old soldiers in there with she thought she was dead they're both in a police car and they kill the people in it and they kind of have a little crash scenario and then they drive and as they're driving they see a guy standing by the side of the road and they actually stop the car for him to turn around for them to make a line where the guy looks at the guy on the side of the road and it's like oh i made a wrong turn and they drive past do you remember that scene at all? <laughs> I definitely remember that scene. And I was like, I, it's uh, my audience isn't laughing the first time I watched it. <laughs> what about the second time? Uh, it was only me in the theater the second time. Okay. It was a matinee, though. so uh, that's, that's, that's true. Um, and then we have one where they are stopped at a checkpoint, and they have to speed out of it, and they're getting shot at. And by the way, I thought it was a shame that they in a way like kidnap that little family to make yep. them drive to that checkpoint and there's a ton yep. of kids and they're getting shot at and one of the kids is getting really into it he's loving the action and at the end uh, john david washington's like anybody have any fun and the kid puts his hand up and i was like i don't i just don't know if that character would have said that in that moment it feels weird <laughs> first draft <laughs> i don't know yeah i don't know like it happened i guess it didn't work like the, the 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 jokes like tried and well yeah i guess they just tried it didn't work and they just moved on yeah and the one that stood out for me the most 
I, again, I don't. I'm sorry. I'm picking on this movie in this way. These are just things that, yeah, just it interrupted my enjoying the experience. Um, so oh, and we haven't actually talked about this character, but John David Washington has this. I'm sorry, I don't remember the character's name. <laughs> I also forgot. It Josh, I think. That sounds yeah, Josh. That's right. Um, he's got this this old friend who was part of his initial um, undercover work, trying to get integrated into the uh, the the group to to track down this uh, Mir Miramata, I think. Yeah, Niramata or something, whatever his name. Yeah, is. yeah sorry, it's been a while. Yeah, and um, yeah, his friend there ended up getting beat up, and he ended up staying in New Asia for whatever it is. Um, and he, John David Washington, goes to meet him or Josh. And he's got a girlfriend there, and the girlfriend asks the, uh, the kid, Alfie, like, oh, what do you want? Asking if, like, she wants something to eat or something like that. And what does she say for robots to be free? It's in the trailer. Yeah, it was, like, the first joke line from the kid, and I was kind of like, oh, that, that feels weird. That doesn't feel like it tracks necessarily what she's been like all up to this point. So. Wait, that was a joke? I thought that was, I thought she was being serious. Well, I, I think she was being serious, but I think it was meant to play as a laugh line. Cause like, oh, oh okay. she can't yeah. uh, deliver that. She's even like, oh, we don't have that here. That's kind of like, oh, is, was that meant to be funny? I, I don't know. That it was just it played weird. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> I thought you were gonna say the line where Drew or whatever his name is um, is like, don't go like when they in the flashbacks with him and Josh. Um, mm. what, what he's like, don't go. Uh, native on their rears or something like that and then he like po points out and then, then it's the future or it's present day excuse me and it's like oh you went like native or something like that or you went uh, yeah white savior or whatever it was with them well <laughs> yeah i think he just integrated into their society and also gave up the the witch hunt pretty much i mean um, he saw the light i suppose yeah yeah and again I, I don't mean to i don't know if this is nitpicking uh, my my only point is to say uh, I feel like the movie would be better without those moments. They they stand out. The attempts at humor. Some movies just really don't need humor. They, like Ad Astra. If Ad Astra, they were going around just trying to insert random jokes in there like that. Oh boy, it would grate with the rest of the material. These ones don't necessarily grate, but they do stand out as like, oh, that doesn't quite fit in this this story. This is a bit more serious, I think, than those moments. Yeah, I mean, I'm, there probably was some like some jokes in Ad Astra. I obviously have to go back to watch it, but like, yeah, I don't, I don't really know, because uh, this is like half trying to be an actual science fiction film about identity and or at least about um, yeah. the next step in what humans could become with AI and androids uh, and robots. Um, and then there's jokes to try to, I guess, you know familiarize the audience or at least say like, hey there's this movie's funny right we're connecting to the audience with jokes right not the characters eh? it's yeah it's uh, it's a balancing act i suppose yeah if you want humor to be in there just kind of let it happen naturally don't uh don't do moments that feel like they stand out like them suddenly stopping for a person on the side of the road why would they do that what what was he like was he grabbing over onto her like slow down i want to say something to this guy real quick like it just doesn't make any sense, any sense. yeah i mean i don't know if the i i, I obviously assume why like because 
all of a sudden they see the um the, the onlookers the the ones on the road i guess just see the car all of a sudden like pull a u-turn so maybe they'll be suspicious and he's like i would quickly like give uh, a, a quick thought uh quick thinking uh on my feet uh quipper explanation as to why we just turned around it's like oh we, we made the wrong turn it could be so like sure to just like cover up the fact that they're infiltrating poorly i may say but um <laughs> I, that's what i'm going with that like they had to you know they rolled diplomacy or they they rolled for like quick thinking and they got like a 10 or something like that and somehow the passengers or the passengers the onlookers got like a eight or something like that so it passed oh but uh yeah i guess moving away from that uh I don't know if that was too nitpicky, but I figured I'd point it out. Um, but coming to more of some of the the bigger issues, um, and that's the the climax. Um, do, do you want me to, to keep going, or do, do you want to say something there? Well, I think first off, in the climax, we learned that Alfie is how do I how do I put this? The robot and or the simulant and or replicant version of josh's kid yep yep the uh near mod i guess scanned her embryo in the womb and used that as the template for yeah this this child oh and it turns out the creator by the way uh is josh's wife <laughs> yes yeah she's near mata and i assume that pro there's probably some phil uh, philosophy or mythology behind that name in another c culture um, as to all that, I didn't look that up, but I'm just going to assume just ever since we did 2001 or other stuff, I assume there's symbolism and subtext that we just don't know about. Um, and I guess we didn't mention the fact that Alfie is the weapon to counter Nomad. Also, what yep. is Nomad, by the way? I guess like if, if audience, if like our listeners don't know what that is, like what the hell is Nomad? I guess we, well, it's not really a surprise. I'm actually surprised how, uh, much they use it, how integrated into the story it was. Yeah, it's this giant flying weapon that I guess it's not. Is it not quite in Earth's atmosphere? It kind of like moves around the planet. Is that the it's case? It's like in the mesosphere, I suppose. It's still in mm. the. It's it's upper. It's in the upper atmosphere because you need a spacesuit, obviously, and it just flies around. Like it just stays up there and rains down literally like hellfire. Like it just bomb like fire bombs an area. I thought nukes. I. I thought it well actually I guess it did launch a nuke so never mind it, can't, it does have the capacity to use a nuke but yeah. uh, for all intents and purposes it is the Death Star yeah and they uh, near Mata this this person in the new Asia Republic of in the Pacific um, came up with this counter weapon no there was no flaw within the system thankfully um, <laughs> uh, like that um, it was she made this weapon or her father made this weapon. And then it, she inherited her father's knowledge and basically created um, a human cyborg, or at least, you know, a human android. I guess an android technically, because a cyborg in my mind is a human that puts machinery in them. A cyborg or an android is a robot that has more human like traits, like vision, for instance. Um, so she's a, you know, machine, a human machine uh, in this case. And she has technopathic abilities to. Uh, control and i guess manipulates technology existing technology that has circuitry in it so i don't think she could uh, manipulate a grandfather clock or a stopwatch <laughs> or pocket watch excuse me yeah and the, the whole the whole first part of the movie is 
them trying to just get to get to his wife mia i think her name is yes mia i think so maybe and they they finally get to her in this this last little section and we find out that she's been in a coma ever since uh, the night that he last saw her and so he he puts her out of his misery he lets her die but before it happens the asshole uh villain of the, the movie comes in you know, they kind of have a final conflict, which is resolved uh, pretty quickly, which is fine because, again, she was such a minor, felt like such a minor part of the movie, and she plays no role in the climax. But the one thing that she contributes is we see earlier on, they set up that they can do this little brain scan thing where they can take the last moments of your uh, your life. Or I guess they can probably take more than that. We just, the earlier example, someone dying. Yep. So I guess with with Mia here, they they take maybe a bigger brain scan, and our our lead takes that little little chip and keeps it with him, and yeah, that plays a part in the climax. Um, uh, but then they're both captured, they're separated, and I I guess they do like a minor time jump. I don't know if it's been a couple days, something like that. But we wind up in Los Angeles and. John David Washington, they bring him in because they're like, oh, you know, we keep trying to kill her, but she, she's got such control over technology, no one can get close enough to really do it. But she trusts you, so maybe you'll, maybe she'll let you kill her. Which I don't know. I don't know if I, that's, I don't know if I buy that. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't they just bring in like a knife and just chop chop? <laughs> yeah, that was that was a little contrived. Where I'm like, like once she said, oh, it's a good thing that I'm have orders to bring you back. I'm like really like i know he's still playing his he's on his own side like he literally is trying to avoid uh the to be working with the simulants and the ai he's kind of again he's he's his own like he's the wild card as you said Uh i'm just surprised the u.s military were just gonna like you know no charges are being pressed they're 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 just looking past like you know the fact that he's i guess gone awol so that that i can see what you meant earlier by why you could see the movie being a little, or at least the third act being a little contrived where all of a sudden they're like yeah we're you're still part of this really okay fair enough yeah i i feel like they yeah they did not need him to come and, and kill her doesn't quite make sense to me i even tried to think i was like okay they probably want to find a way to keep the technology but just like remove her per- person from it or at least find a way to study the technology to try to replicate it. But you'd still think, you know, they could just come in and cut a cord or two, you know? <laughs> yeah, make her docile and give her lobotomy, basically. Yeah, but either way, they, they allow him to, to do that. And I guess they don't know about the on-off switch for some reason, so they don't check that. They just assume <laughs> that she's dead. <laughs> and um, so then they're they're heading off to... The place where they're going to burn her corpse. I guess they don't even want to keep the tech at this point. They just want to burn, just completely destroy her. But they let him tag along within the car that she's in, and then he crashes the the police car with 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 a whole escort behind him. But it's at the front, and he crashes it. And he has enough time, even though the the thing's flipped over, he has enough time to get the two of them out of there, climb out of the top of the vehicle, and climb to the top of this tunnel that they're in before anyone else gets to the van, even though they all stopped right behind it. And then suddenly we're just in an airport. <laughs> and then we're in LAX. And then they're on the plane. And all this is happening. 
so quickly and I'm like, okay, I, I feel like I'm getting like slight whiplash. Like how, I don't really understand the space that we're all in here. How close was the airport? How did these cops not get to them before they got to the top of the tunnel? And then no one gets to them and they get onto the plane. I guess she could manipulate the the tech to make it look as if they had tickets. But I don't, I don't know. It, it just it felt like it was not quite moving correctly. Um, did, did you have these some of these issues as well? I could see the fact that there was a lot of fudging of the story to get them from point A to B. I didn't even think we were going to go into the station, mm-hmm. mind you. I thought she, I thought they were going to somehow. I, I hope he didn't have to rewrite this in the end, or at least they had a, they had a ghost director, or they had somebody else come in to shoot the ending. Um, no, I, I thought they were going to somehow like use technology to boost her signal to mess. I, I thought that was what they were going to do instead, or at least kind of like in Elysium get a confiscate like a helicopter or some other form of aircraft and get up there themselves. Cause again, it's weird how it's, it's both sometimes in the upper atmosphere and then sometimes it's in like the lower atmosphere. It's very weird. It's like jean jacket almost sometimes where it where like just comes pretty low and I'm like, what the flip? Like it is very low. Okay. Um, so I'm like, you could like, that's my thought where they were going to just like, get in one of the jets or again, just an aircraft at the end and get her into the, um, uh, get, get her into nomad. And that was not the case where they instead went through this, this, uh, this elaborate ruse. <laughs> and like I said, a lot of fudging of the numbers and a lot of fudging of the writing to get them from point A to B onto the station. It's very well done, I'll say that at least. Like, you know, docking and all that stuff and I guess howling yeah. it in. That works for it. Some good tension. But actually, yeah, the whole th- time I was like, okay, when, like, when does, where do things start going wrong from when they're on the station after everybody leaves? Uh, where do things start going wrong? So, first of all, I, th- I thought it was strange that this nomad would even be in LA. I don't know why it wouldn't be closer to Asia. Maybe it can just move so fast. I Yeah, sure, I guess. I, I don't know what's powering it. Um, so yeah, they decide to separate. He's like, okay, Alf, Alfie, you go off and find the, uh, like the command of this ship and shut it down. And I'm going to go and plant some, plant a bomb on one of their own bombs. So I can blow this place apart. That's okay. I'll, I'll buy into that. Um, so she goes and does it. But then on the way back, even though they only have 10 minutes, for some reason, she goes to AI research which was not an area that we saw her pass through the first time. It was like she made a side trail to go there uh, for, I guess, contrivances reasons. And there she finds a bunch of a bunch of AI, I guess, husks that, or I guess robot bodies uh, that look like Niramata. Well, oh, that's the other thing, because, sorry for interrupting, throughout the story we've seen that Mia gave her likeness to become a simulant. Yeah. So kind of like Ghost in the Shell... Uh, where the, the, the major, she, you know, she's, she's going in the, she's, she's, she's walking the streets that in that one scene and she sees herself, uh, because it's the same model. Right. So that's, that's the thing that's kind of getting Josh where it's like, Oh, it's her, it's her. Yeah. And then like everybody keeps telling him, no, Mia gave her likeness away. And now there's a lot of simulants that look like her. So I guess there's just a bunch of simulants up there, uh, who look like me or have Mia's likeness, likeness, excuse me. Yeah, and perhaps they were going to use them for infiltration purposes, maybe. I'm not exactly sure. But either way, I don't know why Alfie went into that room 
and within a two minute span because uh he says oh we've got five minutes when she first goes into the control room and then two minutes later she managed to drag one of the <laughs> one of the the husk bodies into this little little like uh field i don't know what you call that little area it's called. Well, like a grow up or like an agricultural center yeah even though we see her seemingly struggling to pull the weight of this thing in a two minute span again i don't understand the space of some of these these environments how they all relate to each other locations she managed to drag it in there and even though again they have such a short amount of time she tries to resurrect her her mother and she's like come on josh needs us and she's taking so long doing this that he has to come to her. He's like, okay, I guess we can't escape on the, the plane anymore. I gotta come find her. And really, she ends up killing him because of this pretty much. <laughs> Unintentionally so. But he's getting there, he's running out of oxygen, and she's just hanging out in this field. Eventually she gives up, and they wind up in this uh, escape pod scenario. Before they can get into the pod, um, she's mainly been shutting down control. But I guess she has to reactivate the controls so that she can get the escape pod working. And that gives enough time for these uh, the ground crew to control these robot arms. And the robot arms try to get her, and um, instead of using her AI abilities to shut that down, they... What do they do? I guess they close the door, and that's what... Close the door to the escape pod, and it, it breaks off the, the hand? Is that what they do? Yeah, something like that, if I recall. Again, you just saw it, so I, I kind of forgot about the spider drone or whatever, the drone they took control of. Yeah, so that breaks the door right then. But then she continues to not take control of it, and it gets in this whole fight scene with the two, with uh, John David Washington. Oh, yeah, I think it t yeah it, like gets control of Josh and is going to like rip him apart, and then she uh, overrides its system, Yeah, and it stops, but... Again, she can't open the door. I don't remember why. Uh, yeah, because when it, it when it grabbed her, they closed the, the escape pod door, but it broke when it crushed the... Uh... Right, okay. Yeah, and it was just kind of like... like I could have bought these moments more, but they just... It, it all happened so quickly, and, and I don't know. Maybe, this, maybe the film didn't need to be longer, but some of this stuff... I don't know if we needed this whole up on the Nomad thing. It was a nice change of environment, I guess. But getting them there felt a little scrambled. And then on there, it just... Like, why the hell did she have to find that the body of the mom there? I understand that they wanted the moment of the two of them meeting again in that field. Maybe that was supposed to make us have some emotional movement. But it all did feel contrived. And yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Quite the fluster cluck, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and it was, it was, it was just disappointing. That's That's... <sighs> Yeah. For, for as much as I I am feeling this film and there's lots of things to like, the things that don't work, uh, they they're kind of big things not to to get right. So yeah, you just you you kind of don't want like this like turn your brain off or it's an action scene at the end because I mean it's I think it's good action. Um, yeah. I, for the more like so I'll, I'll give it that where it's like it's clear action. There's no sh like at least I don't think there's a lot of left shaky cam. Or not a no. lot of shaky cam, excuse me. And everything is clear and concise with how Evans directs it. It is just at the end of the day, the writing that we uh, have a problem with. Or at least are, are kind of like saying, hang on a second now. Yeah. Yeah, like when uh, we see him getting on the spacesuit in the, the airplane. 
and then he pulls the uh pulls the door and all the guys go flying out i thought that looked cool i like that bit um but yeah no just some of the writing details yeah just and we already mentioned that we didn't really find the, the uh with the two of them kind of crying and her not wanting him to die but him accepting it i just didn't really feel emotionally moved by it and i i feel like i should have been yeah and oh the other thing that were where you just reminded me i was like okay so how did how did josh but when unless he inserted something into her brain when before he like knocked her out with the with the uh emp gun how did he relay all this information to alfie about the escape plan uh he didn't all he said was um stand by not off so i guess he just once they got into the once he turned her back on when they got into the the uh, the truck all right it was just kind of like trust me and i'll carry us through this <laughs> so he planned the whole thing up before okay yeah you know i'm assuming he knew what flight to get because it seemed like he had tickets maybe i don't know it, it yeah again it did get just fuzzy there all that stuff or foggy <laughs> Um, yeah, and then as well, the, the military goes mad in the end and start blowing up, like I said before, AI facilities all over the world. I'm like, are there any consequences to their actions here? Like, are they justified in this? Like, all of a sudden, it's just like, okay, like, because they say all facilities, like, all around the world, as soon as they realize nomads out of their control. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, yeah, just hit the, the doomsday bomb for all them. Hopefully delivering the final blow. I don't know why they waited if they're willing to do it but <laughs> yeah um yeah this is cemented my first draft uh opinion worst thing yeah it, it's just a shame because i feel like the movie has it's it's stronger than these weak points it, it they, they they stand out worse because the rest of the movie is so much better uh, done did did you like by the way the uh throughout the movie i don't i think you noticed it but Alf, sometimes alfie was i think for like the first two thirds of the film maybe like the first third i don't know uh she was watching uh this like animated tv series about yeah. nomad <laughs> i like that yeah that was awesome <laughs> it was pretty cool um but do, do we feel like we've come down to the end i don't know if i have i, I don't have any other notes or anything mental notes i should say <laughs> i can think of do you think we'll do a commentary of this or do you think we've pretty much like just talked about it for the time being i don't know if there's much need to do like do a like a watch along and discuss commentary um that's fair yeah i mean maybe i i, I don't know if we get much more out of it but no that's fair maybe i'm just because yeah no no fair enough i'd like to do another discussion with eric at some point to hear his full thoughts on this because he definitely i know has things to say sure but that may that's yeah that's for another day that's just for us right now so yeah even at, at the end of the day this is a flawed film but I I could I say like I I just cannot bring myself to say I'm not feeling it yeah and not because I'm trying to you know support Edwards it's like oh you're just like you know being too hard there was stuff I like I guess if I turned my brain off I I was enjoying it I like did enjoy it. Yeah, the the positives outweigh the the negatives, and I, I I quite like the ending scene when we just see the the kid come down and everyone knowing that oh we're free now now that, that thing's destroyed yeah we're, we're not gonna live in we're not gonna live under this this shadow of of horror anymore giant boot <laughs> yeah just just her laughing I think it was quite a pretty end and overall 
I I like the the message and the look of the movie. It's just a couple pivotal moments that they just did not did not handle uh, properly, and, and the characters not fully connecting. I think as well. Um, but but overall, I, I'm still more positive than negative. I just <laughs> we maybe highlighted the negative more strongly than the positive. I'm not sure. <laughs> Yeah, it does. It it does seem like we're coming across as negative. And again, yeah, I, mean, I we didn't go into everything. I'm I'm well aware of that because again, throughout the film, we do see characters just again really trying to write home in at least the you know the Asia Asia region. Excuse me. Um, you know that yeah. You, know, you just see the integration between man and machine there, and it's working out for them. And you see yeah. a different side with man and machine with the United States. It's like really there's a lot of stuff i like the other detail i don't know if you notice this but i like the detail where the helicopters still make a helicopter noise even though they're vtols <laughs> yeah i did notice that as well i was like oh, that's kind of cool i i know again i know why they're doing it because it's like it's vietnam so you got the helicopters going down and then back up um yeah so flawed film i'd still recommend it i'll probably pick it up uh or i guess it's on disney plus I, I suppose it was 20th century Fox studios. So it'll, it'll be available. Yeah. Give it a watch. I I'd, I'd recommend it. It's at least, you know, worth a watch, a watch, excuse me, but um, yeah, uh, there's, there's maybe some light, it's light science fiction in a way. It's not hard science fiction, like Blade Runner 2049 is. Yeah. They, they don't push too far into the details, but it's definitely uh, looking towards a, a future and trying to, yeah, paint some paint some interesting pictures of what could come, or you know, what direction we should go to if these issues. You know, it, it paints as a human rights issue, and that you know that's 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 worthwhile, I guess. <laughs> sort of, yeah. And I guess you could say it's almost like style over substance. Ah, uh, it it had enough substance. Again, I I just for this kind of movie, it didn't necessarily need to be like a a deep science fiction piece. It was it felt like it was more focused on action, but. Yeah, no, I'm I'm still on the feeling it side. I'll I'll also pick it up, I'm sure, and I I rewatch it again. It just I, I'm more looking at it at it as a disappointment because of the filmmaker and like oh, you know, still not quite getting there. Um, but if this was just some, you know, if I didn't know who this filmmaker was, I would come out like oh, you know, flawed movie. But I'm excited to see what this director does next because this is. You know, the, the, for just a one-off um, sci-fi movie, I think there's a lot of lot lot of good here. Yeah, uh, I guess with the um, I guess with the AI rights stuff, like it doesn't fully go into that, other than like it being on occupation and or at least the United States bullying these people. It's not you're not seeing picket signs, you're not seeing stand-ins really anywhere. I don't think well, there's any talk, or is there talking heads that are talking about like AI people around the world being like, all right, hang on a second now. Yeah, there's like two times um, there after uh, they, they kidnap the uh, Alfie, we hear about there being mass protests about the, the potential mass attack on all the bases. Because I guess they, they announced the world like, oh, we, we discover these bases or I don't know, maybe, maybe it was actually just for the attack they just did. Yeah, probably. Because again, I don't know whether it's days or hours <laughs> in that climax. I, I'm assuming days uh just i I guess to reset where where everything is but there's definitely a mention yeah at least one or two and i know there were like talking heads in the beginning montage of like you know said the intro excuse me of like you know the montage i know there were talking heads with that but yeah again that's 
sure, that's there, but for large majority of the movie, it's all you know Vietnam action. Like it's all Vietnam War two uh, action, with just you see the integration of man and machine over there, and not really like the reason behind. I mean, they obviously characters give their their speech, and I guess we didn't mention him really, but yeah, Kent Watanabe's character, he's he's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, likable. Yeah, guy gives a really good performance. Um, I guess that's all I can say. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, and I, I guess the one last thing I'll point out is I do like the imagery that we see of some of the treatment of the AIs early on in the movie. Like when we see them all put in that giant crusher. Oh, yeah. Like that felt very similar to, I think it's History of the World Part 3, maybe, in, in the Animatrix. Something very similar to that. And, and both of them, I, you know, I, I felt moved by that that image. So... Um, so I, uh, what, I, do you remember the argument that we had or the, the thing that I brought to you that, that article from like, like a week or those weeks ago, I've already forgotten about it until I just remembered now about like, no, no I don't remember <laughs> that, that person said that this was that, that reviewer was like, this is a glorified, um, AI pro- propaganda film or something. Uh, I, I don't know if I remember enough to, to talk about it really. Okay, well, I remember, like, we, it's funny because we just speak easy on this, so I feel like you're going to be like, oh, yeah, now I remember once we, once you edit that in 2027. But, like, I didn't, like, sure it's pro AI, but this is different AI than what we're dealing with currently right now. Like, in, in like, you know, how we're handling AI currently, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, this was clearly a, like, a human rights parallel. Yeah. You're just using the AIs as a stand-in in that way. Like, AIs haven't yet gotten to that point yet. Like, I'm not saying it can't, but, like, we're not there yet. So, like, the whole AI art and, like, you know, you it doesn't really go into that. No, it's... Like, it never goes into, like, you know, they're an imitation of us. I mean, it sort of does, but they are sentient life forms in this. And it's never the whole like mistrust or misinformation angle that we currently are dealing with right now about where is the truth and the fact that AI can outright the truth by somebody else's means. Yeah, not not relevant to this story. Yeah, yeah. no, not, not not at all. So whatever that person, whatever it, again, I didn't read that article because I knew it was just a headliner to with 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 hot take with with with, with buzzwords to get people to and clickbait to get them to read the review um maybe (laughs) they're they're successful i'm not it's not that though it's it's not really that i don't know if we've we probably have had stories like that uh recently but i i've not been seeing that recently so no it's not a uh it's not that kind of movie or story yeah maybe we'll get one of those in uh in the future but uh for today uh thank you isaac for uh for joining me for this discussion of course we've been uh yeah well i've been wanting to get to this one and i'm very much looking forward to finishing out the gareth edwards filmography with you discussing monsters and and godzilla yeah anytime but thank you for yeah talking with me about the creator here again we I was surprised how long we went with this um pretty yeah i feel yeah we've pretty much uh there's no meat or potatoes left on the plate so i guess that's it for now yeah and we'll uh we'll see you all on the next one unless you have something else I support AI rights if it gets to this point, but we're not there yet. So uh, not to avoid, you know, AI taking over the world, but just like, listen, if if it's our problem, like we created it. So, I mean, 
hey, it's it's like Oppenheimer. That's that's what's going to happen next is where somebody's going to create AI and then we're going to have an Oppenheimer movie. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>like not think about like two very relevant subjects that it just happens to pertain to that that have been um in the zeitgeist for like the last year or so so i couldn't help but connect it to certain current events what is this this may take a bit i apologize if it does is you know just on the spot but what is your best thing about the film and what is your worst thing about the film the best thing is the overall look, feel, um, which also includes the special effects. Um, and it shouldn't be a surprise considering um, his two previous films that I've seen, uh, 20, Godzilla 2014 and Rogue One. But the effects are at least what they should be in modern times. Um, so that in of itself was very nice and well received by me because I just cannot stand the modern lazy or quickly produced CGI that just takes you out of things, doesn't look real, um, depending on what you're looking at can look very um, uh, animated um, in an unrealistic way. Uh, big 
points for that and also big points for the sound design and Foley mm-hmm. and soundscape and even some of the music that is included and especially one particular song that is sort of used diagenically in the movie that stuff was really really well done to the point that i've i saw in a theater that i'm and i've been to so many times over the years like i'm very familiar with this auditorium in this theater it's the same theater where i saw the this exact same auditorium where i saw live the um series finale of Battlestar Galactica. Oh, wow. Series. It was literally the same auditorium. <laughs> but anyway, um, I've seen so many movies in that auditorium, and their sound system is pretty good as it is. Somehow, some something about the way this movie was mixed, it sounded like the sound system in the, in the auditorium had been upgraded to like another level. The surround was really stand out impressive and the separation from highs mids and lows like this was like an audiophile cinephile experience in that way so that's all on the good side on the bad side the only thing that kind of really bothered me in general throughout the movie was a combination of common storytelling tropes script writing tropes um mixed with um a bit of a faster pace than i like for these types of movies and this is i think a very personal taste thing that doesn't necessarily um correspond with general audiences or general viewers um i these types of movies i tend to like in a slow burn type of way to reveal itself um and this is almost geared more a little bit more like a action thriller espionage type of feel and i didn't really necessarily like that combined with the nature of the story and everything um and the the tropes of screenwriting i'm I'm really talking about or script writing is uh they use the the cat and mouse tactic and generally i don't like the way that is executed in a lot of films there's only a few exceptions where I think it's really expertly done. And this was not that. So I kind of wished these aspects could have been trimmed out. But again, I understand how these aspects could be really appealing for probably more people than me. So then in a way, it kind of makes sense to, for it to be the way it is. Just quickly on your uh, one thing you said before with CGI, I'm going to call it uh, with when it comes to what we've experienced, been experiencing recently, I know you and Caleb have talked about this recently in some of our speakeasies. I want to refer to as unfinished and not fully integrated yet, because I think this film, like I said, I'm, I should should give too much of it away, but um, I think this film really does uh, integrate the CGI fully, and the animators really did get their a chance to. Um, uh, finish it i think i think it is finished and it looks nat- okay not fully natural but at least looks uh, a part of the scenes rather than not being uh, a part of the scenes neither of you might agree but i i, I think it looks mm. pretty well rendered in there so um it, it's a pass yeah yeah I, yeah i generally agree with that for sure yeah and i'm i'm looking forward to when we get to uh monsters um because that was really his the thing that made his career early on 
was just incredible CGI integration with uh, people and really making you feel like the world uh, exists in such a low budget. Yeah, I'm amazed how they pulled it off um, in 2009 with District 9 um, and how that still looks good when you watch it now and how so many movies that have come out later with much bigger budgets look so much worse than, say, District 9. Again, I I honestly think it's just uh, time and integration. Like it's it's just they they they're rushed, and maybe maybe the person or the either the, the director or the studio is just too ambitious, and they don't realizing like the fact that the quality will not be there when it comes yes, to these yes. ge- computer generated yeah. images. Yes. To double down on that, I think that studios and filmmakers, um, they they've become like Lucas with the prequels, like. Let's just put all this stuff in here, and it'll just make this movie more amazing, more blockbustery. But that's what's causing the the overwork of the animators. They need to do it more like in the um, like in the earlier days, like with something like Lord of the Rings, where yes, obviously there's tons of um, digital effects, but there's also tons of practical effects at the same time, and that's what modern filmmakers need to embrace or re-embrace. And not just solely reply, uh, rely on uh, digital only, and that's where they're fucking everything up because <laughs> they're asking too much. Even earlier, actually, a better example is Jurassic Park. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I totally yeah. It's just yeah. I chose Lord of the Rings yeah, just because there's a lot more digital involved. But yeah, there is a lot more computer generated images there. Well, yeah, Jurassic Park is obviously perfect for that. Yeah, just to continue the interview a little bit, um, we've discussed me and you in particular batting back and forth about how we perceive the way that Gareth Edwards uh, communicates his characters to the screen. How did you feel like the characters in this movie fell into that that pattern that he uses? Do you feel like this was continued to serve you well, or, or did they kind of feel stale? They were... I'm, I'm trying to sort out the whole premise of the question because I haven't directly thought too much, although I know we've discussed it in his previous films, the characters, and I but um i think they're mostly done well in this um in this movie for the most part some feel a little bit half baked to me or half cooked um kind of like some characters in some nolan films um like they're just there to fill a role and then they're gone or Mm. insignificant later um most of the primary ones though i really did like going along with my not liking the cat and mouse um dynamics of the story i really i almost wish they were completely removed um the colonel and her sergeant or whatever he was um i almost wish that whole plot line in the movie was completely removed i understand why they exist in the story but for my personal taste they take away um and actually I know it's not Gareth Edwards, but what I was thinking, what I, what I had more in my mind watching this in terms of characters, etc., cetera, um, wasn't so much Godzilla 2014, but for some reason I had Kong Skull Island in my mind a bit. And, <laughs> and for some reason I was, in my mind, the characters were a little bit more relatable to that structure. Um, but yeah. It's funny. I actually had the same thought as well. I was like, "This feels like Kong Skull Island." Excuse me, Kong Skull Island. Uh, but I like this one a little more than that one. But you know, this, hey, no spoilers. Yeah, no spoilers. But <laughs> I'm just um, uh, would you like to continue, Caleb, or anything else? Say, Eric. Um. Well, 
because I don't know how much you guys are sharing your opinion right now, but I was really wondering what you guys thought. Um, well, I, I'm really curious what you guys thought were the chief flaws in the movie, if if you had any, and or if you were as bothered by as much as I was by the cat and mouse, like the baddies constantly being one step behind, and, but in, in constant chase and like, I don't know, just didn't really like, like it really took away from the whole experience to me. Uh, well, yeah, me and Isaac are, uh, at least I don't want to spoil too much of my thoughts, but I will say that that element of it, it did feel formulaic, but it didn't overall detract from my, uh, my thoughts on the movie in general. It provided the audience tension because while our character is being pursued, and I mean, that's, that's the point is like a chase movie as well. I didn't, yeah, I, I thought no, it kind of worked. And I mean, if you, this is wrong, but if you watch Avatar The Last Airbender, I mean, that's, that's a whole other aspect of the show as well, where the character is also not always on his back foot, but uh, he's being chased and pursued by a character. Now, obviously I think Zuko is, Leagues more written, at least more, um, oh yeah, yeah, compelling maybe than the the Colonel uh, here in this movie. But like, that's not to put her down or anything like that. But you know, you know TV show versus a movie, so I'm obviously not going to do that. But like, you know, there's probably been similar characters to her in other films uh, previously and or, or in the future, and who have probably been there's more care attended to her. I mean, she's she's definitely there surface level. Um, I, I, I kind of also thought a bit of maybe Avatar as well uh, with her, like with Quaritch, for instance. Now, not obviously, this said, don't worry, Eric, not the, not the same. I think he has a lot more to do in that film than, than her here. And I mean, the film's like double the length, of course. So a um, <laughs> little time potentially. So, you know, you know, she she you know does her does her thing and then you know, she, she goes away. Um, but really didn't take me out of it, but I was like, okay, we're, we're going with this. We're seeing, and the other thing is we're seeing like, I guess the, the practical aspect, she introduces technology that is going to later be used by the characters, I believe. So that's, if you think of it from a utilitarian perspective, that's why she's necessary. Like that's why she needs to be there because of, you know, stuff. Well, right. But I know exactly what you're talking about, but because I understand the writing manual 101. Uh, mm-hmm. I saw that a mile away. Like I knew that was going to be like some type of, it's not a deus ex machina, but it's like the perfect Chekhov's gun to use later to the hero's um, benefit. Um, so yeah, that also feels formulaic to me. It doesn't take me out of the movie, but it just, I wish it wasn't that easy um, as a viewer. Um to, to see through all that and yeah um i understand it's totally for tension building and again i think that that's probably a good thing for most people seeing a movie or this movie um uh you know but i i, I prefer you know i definitely had thx 1138 heavy in my mind while watching this movie and even though that movie is largely based around a chase i kind of like it more in thx where it's kind of like an invisible entity like there's not a single person it's not like the head of government like we constantly see him like oh we gotta get him you know or you know i'd rather just kind of be like faceless nameless people and or something else like i like about thx and movies like it um especially for sci-fi stuff like this i would have rather removed those two characters um from this movie 
and just had more slower times for like the protagonist just to try to just to stop and think and meditate on things kind of like what you get in thx and also like something like blade runner see i i guess i just for me personally i like my sci-fi to kind of like go slow like that um and so you can just kind of sit and meditate on things while you're watching me but i know that's a very personal taste and i know also know a lot of people especially modern audiences don't really care for that so i get it and don't get me wrong i do like um, mustache twirling villains at times because i was going to bring up quaritch in avatar a lot of people think he's goofy and cartoony in that series but he tickles me to no end and so i can't explain how my barometer works with these things because there's certain times where it totally works for me um but then there's this where it just feels unnecessary because I'm just more focused on like the meat and potatoes sure. of like of the allegory and whatnot and morality of this particular movie. Yeah, you've seen better portrayals of this kind of character uh, done in other in other media, as I as I said. Yeah. Um, and also a mild, another mild criticism um, for for my personal taste is like the the third act, the final act that's up in the upper atmosphere that also feels slightly unnecessary or the way it's presented is a little slightly unnecessary for me not exactly but it almost feels like that that disney action ending mm. um just a little bit i don't like i didn't need that i didn't need that um it didn't necessarily make the movie better for me it, it again made it feel a little bit more formulaic um that's kind of how i feel about the end of the newest Batman movie as well. I, I, I didn't hmm. need that final act of that movie either. Oh, and just because I have to go in like five minutes, uh, would you would you recommend this to people? I know that this was kind of a flop. Uh, would you say that people should go and seek this out before it uh, leaves the cinemas? I would definitely recommend it. Even to people who are not that into sci-fi, I think there's a lot they could find enjoyable about this movie. And for those who are more sci-fi minded... Um, like, I don't think it's the greatest movie, um, of the genre. Um, but I do also think it'd be difficult to dislike it overall if mm. sci-fi is your thing. And, and there's been a lot of like straight to video or straight to streaming sci-fi movies that have come out like in the last four years or so. And every once in a while, I'll check them out like on Netflix or wherever they are. And I almost, I almost would put this movie into that type of genre, even though those definitely have a lesser budget to work with. And like those films, like a lot of them are kind of bad, or <laughs> they feel like um, mis-executed episodes of Black Mirror or something. Some are decent, some are borderline good or good, but I because this kind of feels like that kind of movie, I kind of lump it in with them, and. If I do that, then this is by far the best <laughs> of that type of um, sci-fi. It's definitely much better than those other offerings. It just feels a little bit like them to me. Um, but it, no, it's really good. And even if I don't think it's the greatest movie, I definitely think there should be more movies like this. Um, um, or, you know, that are this good for the genre. Um, but of course... I. I'm still, regardless of how I feel with the movie itself, um, the visuals, but especially the soundscape, I think it's worth it 
if you're a film lover just to appreciate that aspect because they go full on with with the soundscape and i don't know if you guys stayed for the closing credits there's no you know mid or end credit scene or anything like that but they go heavy into the atmospheric sound um when i say atmosphere i don't mean space i mean like earthy naturalistic soundscape throughout the entire closing credits yeah, no, I, I stayed for the credits, and I was very pleased with that, so I, I, I appreciated that. Uh, I agree with you, by the way, Eric, about um, this is kind of like a mid-budget film. Uh, this is like a mid-tier film, and we I think we do need that. I don't know if like yeah. mid-budget yes. films yes. have died at all. 100 million we need, percent. We need these films still. Um, yeah, you and I are in the same camp of, we, and Caleb, I guess, as well. With science fiction and in regards to like, futuristic settings, we... With those big ones, or at least those important ones, they're the ones that, uh, maybe this is too obvious, sorry, uh, but they're very introspective, navel-gazy, and they take their time, like like you said with some of those films where they just take their time to breathe. This one's a little bit more action-focused, kind of like Avatar in a way, or you know, District 9. Not that District 9 wasn't you know action-heavy or anything like that, but yeah, this one was definitely more action-heavy, but um, tried to have those moments of levity and introspection, um, but didn't get to that that certain point because it was it, it did have an ident- identity in mind yes there's no reason why movies with the budgets of like thor um or captain marvel or whatever superhero thing which i'm not even gonna bring up the flash there's no reason why those movies should look so much worse visually than this movie <laughs> like that is like inexcusable and ridiculous like go ahead Take five years to make Thor if it means it's going to look better. Because oh, um, this is just like, it's, it's it's horrifying with the big budget action stuff. And yeah. I saw even more contrast with it because um, the trailers that they showed before the creator, I had never um, seen those trailers yet. And almost every single one had that horrible CGI we're talking Even if they weren't even sci-fi action movies, um, they, they still had like this horrible CGI and it's fully featured in the trailer, almost like they want you to see how ridiculous it looks. Unfinished. Sorry, I should say unfinished. My apologies, because I think it's unfinished. Well, that's that's all we got for this one. Thank you, Eric, for uh, joining us for this little little tagged on bonus section. Sure. And I'm looking forward to continuing this little mini uh, unintentional Gareth Edwards uh, series doing Rogue One the creator and recently on the Godzilla randomizer we got Godzilla 2014 and so before that we always intended to do monsters right before we do Godzilla 2014 so yeah it's kind of a uh, funny how it all worked out that this year uh, doing so many of his films I'll uh, be looking forward to getting to that soon and uh, yeah see you guys on the next one <laughs>